With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 7.06. Reed Wilkins with you inside Sports on 630 Chad. 25 hours away from kickoff, 23 hours away from our coverage. Eskimos and Rough Riders live tomorrow here on 630 Ched. Some other notes, Team Brick Alberta falling to 2-3 and three at the Brick Invitational at the Ice Palace at West Edmonton Mall. The Saskatchewan Junior Pats winning this afternoon 5-1. Final round-robin game tomorrow for Team Brick Alberta. It's an early one, 7.30 a.m. against the Toronto Bulldogs. The Blue Jays in action against Detroit. Still 3-2 for the Tigers. They're now in the bottom of the sixth. Euro this afternoon. France beating Germany 2-0. I was watching the first half of that game. Germany was certainly carrying the play, but they're not able to get the goals. So France against Portugal in the championship game on Sunday afternoon. That's your scoreboard, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Hamilton trying to uh, get back in it here against Winnipeg. They get an early touchdown in the third quarter to uh, trail 22-17, and then they fumble on a uh, quarterback sneak and giving the ball back to Winnipeg in a, in a game that uh, Winnipeg has not done too much, but they've got some gifts from the uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and that's uh, keeping it pretty close right now. Tell you what, we're going to take, let's just do caller number one tonight, Kellen, 780-496-0063. Sounds great. First caller through gets four tickets Saturday at 7 at the Savile Center. It's Canada against China. Women's basketball, the two Olympic teams going head-to-head. China's eight in the world. Canada's nine. They're also in the same pool in the Olympics, so this is a tune-up for that. They'll get to know each other a little bit. Of course, uh, Michelle and Catherine Plouffe, Edmonton basketball greats on Team Canada. All right, well, speaking of greats, pleased to be joined in studio by a couple of former Edmonton Eskimos. One of them has a story besides being an Eskimo, but we'll get to that. Uh, pleased to be joined by Larry Ruck. Larry, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Also in studio with Bill Manchuk. Hey, Bill, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, guys, thanks for dropping by. Uh, a fun week, a fun time of year. The CFL gets rolling again. Now, I'm going to dive right in here with the difficult question, if I can. As former players, or I have found, the former players are always more candid than the current players, Right. And when you guys played, would you agree you knew, don't say anything too inflammatory, don't say anything that's going to get quoted and get to the other team? You, you, got, you, you guys operated under that rule, right, generally? 
Pretty well in Regina, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially in Regina. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, all we're hearing this week is okay. Yeah, Chris Jones is back. That's great. It's not a storyline, and he was in the preseason. I mean, if you were in the Eskimo situation and your coach left for days after the Great Cup, and now he's coming back, I mean, is 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 that fuel? Do you think there's a little let's stick it to him going on, or what do you think? I yeah, I certainly think there is, and that is fuel. Um, it's fuel for me, and I'm not even on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really didn't agree with the way uh, Jones handled things, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I felt that, uh, you know, he's got a bright future in this league. I mean, he's had a lot of success in the past, and I'm sure he'll continue to uh, enjoy that. And I think, you know, that opportunity, although it may have been a few years away, it would have come for him uh, anyways. So I didn't like the way he handled it, um, leaving here. And... You know, right in the middle of, you know, uh, the team and the city celebrating, you know, winning the Grey Cup. So I could, I thought that that could have at least been put off until, say, the new year or whatever before he announced anything and uh, kind of spoiled the party, so yeah. to speak. Bill, what did you think? Well, I, I have to agree with Larry. It's very controversial, especially since he was under contract for another year. So that that enters into the equation as well. So I mean, it's uh, everybody likes controversy. So it's obviously a, a topic that uh, could go on uh, for you know quite some time uh, and not reach any final conclusion. But it is what it is, and those things happen uh, in life. And uh, uh, I, I think the the Eskimo organization has to be partly to blame for that. Uh, because he was still under contract, so uh, there's there's a whole bunch of other things that enter into could enter into this discussion uh, one way or another. But uh, you know, I have to generally agree with what Larry had to say about uh, about what happened. I mean, when the story started coming out before the Grey Cup was even played, Larry, I mean, you knew it was you knew it was happening, right? Like mm-hmm. you knew, like okay, this isn't just <laughs> something's going on. Right? Yeah, they don't they don't start a rumor that size uh, without really having some. You know, some facts to to back it up, I guess. Yeah. So you so. think you, you would think, as you said, you're fired up for the game, and you're no, you're no. <laughs> you think some of the Eskimos players are just like, yeah, let's, you know, I mean, but the thing is, they're they, they like the guy. I mean, Riley was saying, I like the guy. He's he's my coach. I consider him a friend, whether he does or not. He's saying that. But so, what what do you think they're saying internally or to the guy in the next stall? You think there's a little bit of ah. Oh, I think they're thinking. Let's show him he made a huge mistake, right? By by leaving here, I think the players, you know, all felt that they really had something good going here, right? And I think you know, I did as well. Bill, maybe is probably the fans, you know, they really had a it turned things around and looked like the you know they had a good chance to to maybe repeat again, mm-hmm. and then then things blew up. But the team is still basically intact and I think that's the important thing you know typically when uh, in any sport now uh, in any league when a team wins a championship most of the players are not around the next season right <laughs> so many free agents of course your uh, stock goes up most most of the guys had good years and uh, they're never together again but for the most part this team stuck together and uh, so I think they they still have a, you know, they should have a great year. I'm, I'm expecting them to. Yeah. In, in terms of uh, you guys both being, being, being linebackers and seeing this Eskimos team the last couple of years sort of be, been built 
defensively. Not, I mean, not obviously nothing against the Rileys and the Walkers of the world because you got to score points too. But um, Bill, I'll start with you. Was there a, was there an appreciation for the way that the team played uh, defensively, or things where you saw where it was like, okay, you know, you often talk about the offense getting all the glory, but I thought for the this Eskimo team, it was the defense that really has been setting the tone the last couple of years. Well, from a defensive perspective, I think you know, especially both of us being linebacker, we we always take a we always watch the the game a little differently than the normal person would, and uh, uh, and I think you know we always were with the opinion that uh, you know good defenses win championships, but uh, you have to have the other side of the, on the other side of the ball, you have to have things working on the offensive strategy too, because there's there's a delicate balance there. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I I think it's probably good for the league because it's uh, it balances everything out. You know, and we've got a very competitive environment uh, with the game of football itself. Never mind everything else that goes along with that. But uh, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how 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 they perform this year, uh, whether that that will continue to be the case, or whether there's some, something new that they have in store in mind with their offensive strategy and with the offensive game plan that they have. But uh, we, we've always we've always I myself have always kind of watched the defensive side of the game more than the offensive side of the game. So mm-hmm. and I'm sure Larry, you're about the same way. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, the defense here has, the past several years, been as good as any in the league. You know, not just last year, mm-hmm. but last year they had the, you know, a, a complimentary offense to go along with it. Right. And so, <laughs> the result, everybody knows what the results were. What? What? I mean, I'm curious again to get your perspective as 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 players who were were in the league, and and I always ask. You know, one of my typical question is to people: How much is is between the years, and how much is actually physical? This was a team last year that went fourteen and four, fell behind quite often in games, including in the Grey Cup. It, it's quite frankly escaped Houdini like in Winnipeg in overtime against the BC Lions. Uh, even the Riders last year trailed whatever twenty nine nothing in the twenty one nothing in the first half before they pulled it out. Have have you been on teams where it, where some teams were just so resilient and it was always calm, and have you also conversely been on teams where it was just like this team mentally is is a mess and one thing goes wrong and you're done? Larry, you go ahead, Larry. Okay. Well, yeah, I've I've been fortunate enough to play on some great great teams here um, for sure, and um, you know we of course like any team you've got to come come from behind. Once in a while, and it's those games that uh, really build the character of a, of a football club, of a championship team. Um, you know, in '89, I'll bring it up because I know you are probably going to bring it up. So anyways, <laughs> well, and Dave Ridgeway's on the show later. So. Oh, great, great. Um, I'll have to listen in. In '89, we kind of coasted through most of that season. You know, uh, didn't have a lot of difficulty uh, winning and. Then, you know, come that Western playoff game against the Riders. Suddenly, things weren't going our way so well. They they were in the first quarter. Then it's like everything just collapsed on us. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't... I think had we had a little more experience of having to group together um, and come from behind and build that sort of character, it would have helped us in that situation. So, always good to have those games, you know, um, and... 
maybe maybe not you don't even win all of them but at least you play till the end and and maybe you surge and have a great second half or right. whatever and you come back and you, you at least make it close you, you've got to be able to show that you can come from behind at some point because sooner or later you're going to have to right so you you weren't i guess in 89 and again i don't sorry about the bad memory but i mean if for people who don't know that was the 16 and 2 team best regular season in the 18 game schedule and you guys didn't win you didn't win the great cup and, and i mean what ham didn't ham rush like he's a quarterback that rushed for over a thousand yards so you're saying you were just rolling over teams and never had that sense of we got to pull this together mm-hmm. yeah no it was it was rather effortless uh you know we were very well-rounded team didn't really have any weaknesses uh tracy was young but just was so athletic um uh, you know a number of all-stars on that on that team and we uh it's it's funny you know we played the riders i think four times that season once in preseason of course twice during the regular season and then in the playoff game mm-hmm. and they beat us three of the four games we only lost two games in regulation that year and one was to them and yeah. and, and of course won the preseason yeah so uh yeah they they beat us two of the the three times that year it's been an incredible rivalry. I want to talk more about that from uh, from your perspective. And, and Bill, of course, uh, has uh, the unique experience of having played for both teams. So we'll get to that. In studio with uh, former linebackers for the Eskimos, Bill Manchuk and Larry Ruck. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. All right, thanks for joining us tonight. 25-24, Winnipeg now leading Hamilton as the Tiger Cats get a touchdown to claw back in it. We'll keep you updated on that one. Reed Wilkins with you inside Sports on 630 Chet. Pleased to be joined in studio by Bill Manchuk, former linebacker for the Riders and the Eskimos and uh, former uh, Eskimos linebacker Larry Rock. Two, was it two Grey Cup championships for each of you guys? Yeah, I was. Uh, I had the fortunate uh, uh, experience of uh, leaving Regina and uh, coming to Edmonton after going to two Grey Cups and losing both of them, and ending up uh, in Edmonton. Uh, the, apparently, uh, Hugh uh, Campbell needed a backup linebacker, which they didn't have, and I ended up playing more than I thought I was. But I was happy to do that, and ended up winning two here in Edmonton. The last two of the five in a row. The last two of five in a row. And there you won eighty-seven and ninety-three and ninety-six. <laughs> I, when people ask me that, I always tell everybody that I won three Grey Cups, but only have two rings to show. The one for only it. because of the Flutie fumble, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. I was talking about that on the show a couple of weeks ago. And uh, who was I talking about it with? Maybe it was somebody at the NHL draft brought that up. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, like, Flutie fumbled. Go look it up on uh, YouTube. And the thing is, that wasn't even close. It wasn't even close to him being down. He was still standing, and the ball was by his hip. Well, and add to that the fact that not only was it not a fumble, it was somehow a first down Toronto. <laughs> That's right. They just gave him the spot. Yeah. yeah. And ended up kicking a field goal to, to win. Like, yeah. crazy. Even, was... even Doug, to this day... You know, admits it. Uh, well, how can he? Yeah. Yeah. Even behind a microphone. Was that? Was it cold or was it just snowy for that game? Yeah, it wasn't that cold. It was uh, like that thick, wet eastern Ontario or yeah. east of the south. There was no wind. Big, huge snowflakes just gently falling down. Yeah. And it's a crazy game. Lots of offense and big, wide open plays. And that was Eddie Brown off the shoe top catch. That's right. Yeah. After he had he had been our guest hacky sack player that week. <laughs> that was the wild thing. <laughs> He had, ne- he had never 
hacky sacked with us before with the football. Seriously? With the football. We would just sit, stand around in a circle and play hacky with this. Okay. With the football. And uh, Eddie invited himself over and asked if he could join us. Yeah, absolutely. And then two days later, pulls <laughs> he that off. Pulls that off in a game. <laughs> uh, Bill Matchek is here, here as well. So, Bill, you, you mentioned, obviously, you were with the Riders. Um, I mean, what we, we talk about this team now, about the, the passionate fans. You know, I had an old buddy on in the last half hour who told the story about growing up in Landis, Saskatchewan, of 200 people and taking his dad's truck out illegally in 1989 and waking people up and hitting garbage cans. What was your sense of that, that, that fan passion for the team when you were there in the 70s? Well, it was, it's always been the same. It hasn't changed a heck of a lot. Uh, you know, they, pr- they probably have the best fans uh, in, in, the, in the entire league. It's, it's like a little Green Bay of Canada. But uh, you know those, those those years, the stadium at Taylor Field was packed, and and uh, there's not a hell of a lot to do in Saskatchewan because you know there's not a lot of hockey and there's not a lot of baseball. There's the, the, the sports teams basically it's football, and they embrace the Riders and always have ever since I've known them still today. Uh, they do such a great job. They're going to have a fantastic uh, time when they uh, get into that new stadium of theirs uh, coming up here pretty soon. But uh, uh, it's always been a very passionate uh, 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 set of fan base, and uh, and that's continued for as long as I know. I remember it actually we used to come to Edmonton uh, just after Commonwealth uh, Stadium was built. And we'd come in here, and there'd be sixty thousand people in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not getting it today. They might get it tomorrow. Uh, but uh, it was amazing the rivalry that, that we had uh, with Regina, and uh, uh, the unfortunate part about it, there's there, at least speaking from today, is there's just as many Rough Rider fans in that stadium as there are Eskimo fans. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. What what happened? Uh because you mentioned you were there in the 70s there were west finals between these two teams and what then i think it was 77 to 87 the riders didn't make the playoffs what what happened I mean, was it just when Lancaster retired, they just got bad, or, or what happened? Well, you know, when I first came there, you, the, the team was, uh, you pretty much had to uh, had to go through Regina if you wanted to get to the Grey Cup. And we've right. had some great rivalries with Edmonton. We've had some games that they, they were shellacking us, and we had games where we'd shellack them. And uh, you never knew what to expect when these two teams got together. Uh, but like at the end of my career in uh, 78, uh, 79, and 80, uh, that's when Ronnie Lancaster moved from player to head coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a very controversial thing. Uh, Ronnie had a great game plan to, to kind of lead this team to, I think, where he wanted to, but he didn't have the support of the uh, directorship uh, at that time. And so he, did, he wasn't able to actually run the team that uh, like he wanted to and uh, it's amazing uh, it's amazing how you can get such a talented individual uh, and uh, not be successful at what what he was doing as, as a head coach and I know that there were players at the time uh, offensive players at the time uh, that I was personally involved with that uh, had expressed the, their feelings uh, rather negatively that he shouldn't be coaching well it wasn't up to them to make that decision mm-hmm. so there, there was a, a little bit of a rift there and that, that's the only reason why Ronnie didn't do that I think we were last two, two years and I was getting so beat up because we only won four games in two years 
19. So the defense was on the field a lot. I was on the field all the time. Unbelievable. And, you know, I had to rest for a week before you were ready to play another game. You know, but uh, that was uh, it was it was an experience, uh, and it's funny how things can change so rapidly. Uh, they, they, and then Ronnie came to Edmonton and did extremely well here. Yeah, did really well for sure. Yeah. Bill Manchuk in studio along with Larry Ruck, both were linebackers in the Canadian Football League, and we'll uh, get some thoughts on uh, going into Regina as a visitor when we get back. It's Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. We had a touchdown here. No, he didn't hang on to it. Hamilton trying to go ahead, driving the ball against Winnipeg. The Bombers up 28-24, 12 and a half minutes left. In the fourth quarter, Hamilton's uh, really come to life here in the uh, in the second half. Reed Wilkins with you in studio with Larry Ruck and Bill Manchuk, a couple of former linebackers uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos. Bill also played with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So uh, linebacker, you got to be the smartest guy on the field, right? Yeah, it's a given. Yeah. <laughs> smartest. Larry just bar, best bar looking. None. Bar none. <laughs> uh, who's the smart? Who's the smartest quarterback you played against? Where you just thought like, okay, this guy, he's always coming up with something. Bill. Well, I always thought I thought I always thought it was Ronnie Lancaster, obviously uh, uh, the little general, uh, and until I started asking him uh, w- what I should be doing as a defensive player uh, to make uh, to make me as a linebacker a little bit better, and he and I got a response is he didn't know what the hell to tell me because he says all I do is watch the middle linebacker, and he tells me all I do is I watch him, and he'll tell me exactly what everybody else is doing. So, but uh, you know, we uh, most talented. Uh, Guys that I played, you know, with Bill Baker uh, on the defensive line and and Warren Moon, you can't knock, uh, right. or Tom Wilkinson. I mean, they were Tom and Will, and uh, Ronnie were almost like twins the way they played the game. Right, uh, they approached it so much differently <laughs> than everybody else because they had to. You know, they 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 were never going to be a Warren Moon, you know, on the football field. But uh, so you're talking athle- athletically, they weren't as gifted, so they yeah. had to. Yeah. scratch and claw they had, they and think and work on their game a little bit differently than Warren did for sure. Larry besides Flutie having magic fumbles uh, who, <laughs> what, what quarterbacks gave you fits when you played? Well you know I was, had the good fortune of playing with and against uh, a, a number of great quarterbacks Hall of Fame quarterbacks that uh, you know the likes of Dunnigan, mm-hmm. Allen, Ham, Danny McManus so I played with all those guys and I also played against all of them so it's not until you play against them they really appreciate you know the nightmares they can give you. Uh, I think of those four, Matt was maybe the most well-rounded, okay. super athletic. You know, in his first couple of years, he was just magic whenever he pulled the ball down and scrambled. He had this great duck under move that he would use right. all the time <laughs> when that defensive end or linebacker was coming from the outside, and you'd make him miss and, and spin off another guy and you know run for some out run for 20 yards but uh when he wasn't you know uh pulling off these broken plays uh he was a very very intelligent guy read defenses super well it was really difficult to fool him and he also was a great leader too so mm-hmm. he, he 
he led very well, and everybody wanted to play for him. Like you knew he was one of those through a brick wall guys. If absolutely. it needed to be done, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was a linebacker in quarterback's clothing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And people say that about Riley to some extent, too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, trash talking. We'll start with Larry on this one. How much actually happens on the field? I mean, fans have this, like, sense that if there's all this clever chatter that goes back and forth. What's actually going on down there? Yeah, yeah, there's there's lots that go on for sure. <laughs> How much is clever, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, most of it I can't repeat here. That's for sure on the show. <laughs> I kept my, as myself, I kept my mouth shut most of the time. Um, I probably uh, yelled and screamed more at uh, the players, my own or teammates, than right. I ever did with uh, other players. Although there were an old lineman or two that uh, I um, sort of had uh, words with. On opposing teams. Yeah. Like you felt maybe they took some, uh, stepped outside the rules to get you out of the way, maybe? Yeah, perhaps. And and weren't <laughs> called for it. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> uh, what what with you, Bill, was, uh, I mean, you were kind of. I mean, Larry was just after you, so yeah, is there I, yapping I'm when you played? I'm definitely more old school. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> and uh, there's, there was probably a heck of a lot more of that going on early in my career than there was later in my career. But, uh, like, uh, when I first started, 1971 was my first year in, in uh, Regina. And I remember going in, whenever we went to Toronto, they were the worst trash talkers in in the league really and you had a tendency to you know get wrapped up in it i don't know why but it just you know uh, gets (laughs) engagement it's called you know and and uh, you just do that this sort of thing you know to to make a point you weren't going to sit there and take all this abuse uh, without handling handing some of it back Uh, i like i like to think that you know the actions on the field are are more Act, more action than words th- that you can ever come up with, so I, I always uh, didn't get too involved with all that because you know I says, well, there'll be a time and it'll come before this game's over. Did you? So you would have played against Theismann then? Uh, no, I was, was he already gone? He was already gone. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so my further question to that is, uh, going into Saskatchewan as opponent, as you, as you would have, Bill, last couple of years of his career, and as you would have, Larry, every year in your career, <laughs> what do you hear from the fans at Taylor Field? Because you're pretty, the benches are right there too, aren't they? Like you're really close. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty tight stadium, not far behind you into that first row, and uh, yeah, the uh, it was always very difficult winning there, uh, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, and even in '89. They beat us three times. They beat us uh, out of four t- four games we played. They beat us there in preseason. They beat us there in regular season. Um, and I bet you, I, I don't know for sure, but if I looked over my career, we were maybe 500 at Taylor Field mm-hmm. and nearly always had a superior record. No, what was that? So was that weather? Was that the, was that the fans? Was that that they were just better at home? Yeah, they're they're always been a kind of a stronger team at home for sure. I guess uh, we are too, but um, it was a difficult place to play in. Yeah, the you know there was a lot of wind that you know say the kickers wouldn't maybe be as accustomed to um, uh, quarterbacks you know throwing in those conditions. Um, and yeah, and the and the fans probably played a bit of a part of it too. Uh, oh yeah, I remember um, I was probably I think I was probably in my last season so. In my 12th year, and I'm 32, 33 years old, and the offense was on the field, and being an old guy with old legs, I was sitting on the bench and, and resting. 
and when uh, somebody yelled out from the first row behind me <laughs> calling me grandpa hey grandpa when are you gonna retire right <laughs> like, you know i'm 32 years old which is old for in football years though yeah. Did you have a response, Larry? <laughs> no, I think I just looked at Jed sitting next to me, and we both cracked up laughing. Yeah, what are you supposed to <laughs> do, not, right? You can't win yeah. that one. Bill, was there anything extra for you, having been a rider and then going to play for Edmonton when you went back? Was that, you know, frowned upon or, or what? Well, I, I was so happy to get out of Regina at the time because, you, know, uh, you know, I spent 10 years there, and that was a long time, and I, I wasn't in the plans for rebuilding the team, so I wanted to get out of there as fast as I possibly could. And uh, actually, I remember the day that Ronnie called me into his office and uh, sat me down by his desk, and he just shh, he goes, don't say anything. And he phones up you. Uh, over the telephone and uh, makes it because we owed Edmonton a player to be named at a later date because of Bruce Wilkins it was a running back that that we acquired because we didn't have one and uh, just uh, and so at the end of the year when I decided I wasn't coming back to Regina I thought it was hip bound for Winnipeg thank goodness uh, they found some space for me there otherwise I would have never won any great cups but uh, uh, he said is we have a player that want uh, I want to send down to Edmonton and asked uh, who it was because at that time uh, they had Tommy Townsdale Potter and Danny Kepley playing linebacker and, Qu- and James uh, Parker. Parker. James Quinn yeah. Parker, yeah. But he was more of a rush end right. uh, uh, end than he was a, a linebacker. Uh, so they didn't have a back Canadian backup in particular. So uh, he said, send him down. So the next day I left Regina and uh, in my car and had everything packed. Uh, and uh, just uh, was uh, was a real pleasure joining that organization because we knew each other. I knew everybody so well, right? You know, because we played. We we're very com- two very competitive teams, very proud teams, and uh, you know, winning was everything for those those two uh, those two teams. That's what I remember most about playing for both of them. It was it was like I I, I didn't change the environment at all. It was almost like it went from one environment to another. Uh, that was very comfortable and compatible for me. I, I, how could the riders not have a running back? Well, uh, <laughs> injuries. Okay. Like, oh, we forgot to draft a running back this year. I yeah. guess uh, we better get one from from Edmonton. Uh, tell me a little bit. We'll start with you, Larry. Are, have you remained uh, connected, involved, a fan of the Eskimos and the CFL in your retirement? Yeah, I have. I've been a CFL football fan since I was six or seven years old I'd say in fact I used to ask my parents I used to also like boxing and I used to ask my mother when I was that age you know should I be a professional football player or a boxer (laughs) you just roll her eyes but it was you know not that uh, Bill is that much older than I am but when I got to the the, you know high school uh, junior football days Bill was playing uh, with the riders and growing up in Saskatoon like I did that's all I ever wanted to be really was a rider right and uh, was there for a, a time, for a season and a little bit, and things just weren't working out for me. That They uh, were pretty lost there for a few years, you know, winning two games a year sort of thing, lots of coaching changes and personnel changes, and I asked to be traded. And uh, was when they told me, you're, you're going to Edmonton, I was like, oh, Edmonton. Yeah, Towns, Potter, Kepley. <laughs> Those guys were still around, but they were... In the in their last few years, right? Or whatever. So, so the, the timing was great for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
Bill, what about what about for you? Have you do you still feel a connection to this to the CFL and to the Eskimos? Oh uh, well, yeah, I have a very strong connection. Obviously, you know, winning the two Grey Cups ha- had a lot to do with that. But right. uh, you know, I always <laughs> had the I had the honor and uh, the pleasure of being uh, on the Wall of Honor in Regina. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's pretty close to me too. So I'm an Eskimo fan until Regina comes to town. Then I have to put on my my green and white and. Uh, <laughs> So just, just, just for the fact for that, that you know, it's, uh, you spend ten years in Regina, it's, it's you know you grow into it, and it's just something that's hard to get rid of. Yeah. We have a special Bill Manchuk rule for the <laughs> for our alumni room. We call it the Igloo Room, and that we don't allow other teams' colors in our room. But oh, geez. Bill, when the riders are in town, we make an exception. Yeah, they're very nice <laughs> to me. So, uh, what's it like for you, Larry? Uh, I assume you still have family in Saskatchewan. I do. Like when you joined, <laughs> when you became an Eskimo, was it like the aunts and uncles and cousins or whoever? I don't know how big your family is. Was like big. Okay, now we're going to cheer for the Eskimos. It was, or was it like Larry? All the best to you personally, but we're still cheering for the Rough Riders. That's exactly what it was with most of. I have six older brothers. I got a younger sister. Eight of us siblings. Uh, my parents always were in my corner, always pulled for me. But uh, the family was pretty split. I think uh, one or two of the brothers, I think, were, you know, had turned into Eskimo fans, but the rest were, yeah, like, you just can't take that out of them, right? They they bleed green and white, and uh, as I did when I was a kid, so I understand it. It's it's cool. They, yep, but they always wished me luck if they, you know, came to a Taylor Field for a game. Have a good game, but not too good. Not too good, yeah. <laughs> no, you never played regular season games for them, did you? I did the Riders? No, no I played. You were in their camps. Yeah, right? I yeah. played a couple of preseason games, Yeah, but uh, never made the starting roster, and I felt I should have, and that's when I asked to be traded. Tough thing for, I was 20 years old at that time, uh, tough thing for me to do when I always wanted to be a rider. Well, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, it worked out okay for you, and now Edmonton's oh, your very home. Very well, very well, yeah. Yeah, still live here, <clears throat> still active with the Alumni Association, as Bill is, and enjoy raising money for amateur football and women's and children's charities and giving back a bit yeah awesome stuff all right before before i let you guys go just uh give me some thoughts on the on the game tomorrow i mean i i yeah i i mean i'm not i sound like the homer here but i'm not uh well i, well, I am but i'm that's not why i'm saying this <laughs> i mean I, you gotta favor the eskimos tomorrow don't you bill you know, it, it's it's tough because uh, of the number of changes that they've had, both offensively and defensively, as well as all the coaches that are coming in. It's so hard, difficult to, to kind of get it, and, w- and especially with uh, Jason Moss, you know, at the helm. Uh, young coach, uh, might be full of surprises, I'm not too sure. It, it's so difficult to read. I, I know it's going to be a heck of a, a wealth thought-out game, mm-hmm. uh, planned both offensively and defensively. Uh, I, I, th- I think, you know, Edmonton's got to work through a... Uh, uh, they're kind of hot and cold you know, to watch them over the last, through the exhibition games. And it's, it's difficult. They've got some really good things going for them, and they've got some things that need to be, you know, worked on a little bit. And uh, and Regina, I just don't know. It, it's uh, they've gone through a whole bunch of changes there with uh, bringing a whole bunch of new people in and a whole bunch of new coaches, and they're going to go through the same thing. So it's going to be a, a pretty interesting game. I, I, one way or another, I just uh, just hope it's a it's a entertaining game with uh, lots of offensive action, and I have to wait and see what happens. I really don't uh, think one way or who's going to win. I don't think anybody really has an edge. 
and uh, I'm not sure. I really don't know how to answer that question other than that. Spoken like a typical ex-writer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, I'm going to definitely pick the Esks. Um, yeah, they lost to Ottawa uh, on the last play of the game. Ottawa yeah. is no joke, once again, right? They're a tough, tough I wasn't sure team. that they'd be that smooth again, but they, mm-hmm. they look good, and Harris is great. Yeah, they're a very strong team, and we were there, we played with them, right? Um, and uh, really um, could have, should have, whatever maybe won that one, but they didn't, and I think they're going to come back even stronger. All right. Tomorrow night. This was great having you guys come in. I, I, I really appreciate it. Larry Ruck in studio, Bill Manchuk as well, two great linebackers from the CFL. Bill, of course, uh, you know, better when he was with the Eskimos, but he also <laughs> played for the Riders, and uh, Larry, a great career with the Green and Gold. Guys, we've got to do this again. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's a lot of fun, Reed. Thanks. Yeah. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Still ahead, by the way. Oh, Dave Ridgway. Speaking of former players and pretty good players, he'll be uh, joining us in the next hour. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. Oh, that was great. Larry Ruck, Bill Manchuk in studio. Some awesome memories of their playing careers. Thoughts on what's going on currently with the teams. Uh, neither uh, man enamored with how uh, Chris Jones left for Regina at the end of uh, last season. This is 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. We are the play-by-play voice of both the Edmonton Eskimos and the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll have tomorrow's game. Edmonton and Saskatchewan from the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. 6 o'clock pregame show, 8 o'clock for the start of the game. Uh, ticket sales up around 30,000. They're hoping to get 34 or 35 in the stadium tomorrow, which would be the biggest crowd in the CFL so far uh, this young year. Winnipeg up 28-24 on Hamilton. 2.45 left in the fourth quarter. The Tigers leading the Blue Jays 4-3. That game is in the top of the eighth. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window has been working diligently this evening. Kellen, how's it going, old boy? Oh, so diligently. How you doing, Reed? Good. Uh, we, who won the uh, basketball tickets for Saturday's game? Yeah, congrats to Dan for those tickets, for do, sure. Do you want to give more away? Yes, please. Sunday at 4, Canada against China. We have four tickets to that game. 4 p.m. tip-off. Canada against China. The women's Olympic teams going head-to-head. Uh, what do you want to do here? Caller number 3? Caller number three. Caller number three, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, Adarius Bowman, Eskimos receiver, talking about coming off the bye week. Uh, I think that was. I think that once again, I, I hate to keep going there, but it boils down to the leaders on our team, and we're gonna keep these young guys ready. But uh, our bye wasn't much of a bye. We got together amongst ourselves, you know, and like I say, we was able to go in and. Find the good things that we did, but correct the mistakes we made, you know, because that's stuff we have to fix. Uh, Ottawa's a great team. They did a great job, but we beat ourselves a lot of times, you know, in execution and, like I said, penalties. And, uh, like, uh, coaches always say football games are won with six plays sometimes, and it's, you want to you wanna do good on those six plays rather than be on the back end, and I feel like we did a poor job of that. But in terms of flushing that, we understand it's a long season, 18 weeks, you know. Uh, if it was played in one week, yeah, I think everybody would look at this this game different, you know. So uh, after that, you just you got to accept that. And then I say uh, our leaders, man, they keep the young guys ready. That is a Darius Bowman ready to rock and roll tomorrow night. All right, here's what we're doing. We got the news coming up. When we're back at 5 after 8, we'll probably have a winner in the Winnipeg-Hamilton game, Toronto and B.C. 
will start in a few minutes. We will keep rolling with the Eskimos and Riders extravaganza here on Inside Sports. Dave Ridgway, Robo Kicker, will join us between 8 and 8.30. We have some more basketball tickets to give away. Do we have a winner for this second set? We do. Congrats to Nick. Nick. All right, and later on, uh, we'll give away some for Monday's game. Oh, and we have uh, Eskimos tickets as well coming up in the next half hour of the show. What a fun night inside sports on 630 Chet. Talk to you in a few minutes. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.